Today on Erotic Awakening, BDSM Spirituality. Welcome to Erotic Awakening with Dan and Dawn, a weekly view of all things erotic. From BDSM to erotic spirituality, from swinging as a lifestyle to simply fun kink, each week we bring you a diverse offering of erotic and alternative lifestyles in its many forms. This podcast includes frank discussions of highly sexual topics. This podcast is intended for consenting adults over the age of 18. If you are offended by this type of content, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dan. <laughs> How are you this fine day? <laughs> Okay. What are you giggling about already? I don't know. Probably because I know what you might be get ready to say. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it's that. As it happens, for the last couple of shows, you've been podcasting with some some level of undress. True. A couple shows ago, no shirt. I think the last show, no pants. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Today, you're clad only in a towel. Mm-hmm. Just kind of out of shower. <laughs> but I, I, too, am wearing the classic male ready-for-sex clothing assortment. I've, yeah, you are. <laughs> my socks and my underwear, the only thing I'm currently wearing <laughs> for your podcast enjoyment today. Oh, well, too bad they can't see it. <laughs> Just as well, they can't see it. I would have put on sexier underwear. Oh. <laughs> Over the weekend, we had the opportunity to go up to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and we got to do a little vending with the uh, Burger Munch group. Right, right. Very nice of them to set that up for us, not just for us, but for us and the other 12 or 15 vendors that were out there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people came through, bought some stuff, did some shopping, all that kind of stuff. Got to see a lot of our, um, a lot of friends of ours that we met uh, at the Woodstocks. Woodstocks, right, right. Not too long ago. So that was really great to see a lot of people. And now stick with me. This (laughs) This gets a little convoluted, but we'll get there. Okay. As it happened, we went to Pittsburgh with Karen, my sweetheart, and we stayed with her boyfriend and her boyfriend's significant other, while your boyfriend was staying here at our apartment because his significant other was... Had something going on had at their something house, going on so at their house. he needed a place to stay. <laughs> so at some point, we will do the Big Polly extended family show. I think that would be great. Everybody I, could chime in. and I think it'll be a lot of fun. But mm-hmm. for now, I just wanted to say thank you to our Pittsburgh Extended Poly family for putting us up, mm-hmm. feeding us wonderful food. and wonderful uh, giving conversation. <laughs> very comfortable place to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, some people might find it awkward to be traveling with your wife as you take your girlfriend to visit her boyfriend, but... It seemed to work out pretty well. Oddly enough. <laughs> oddly enough, it did work out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Had a great time up there in Pittsburgh. So a big thank you to our uh, our friends in Pittsburgh that put us up. And we will be back there in January. Mm-hmm. We will. So we will be uh, doing presenting this time instead of ending. Yep. You know, last week's show, um, I didn't come out of that show feeling like it went really well. Yeah, it, it was different than our normal style. That was our question and answer show, and when we finished with it, I was feeling a little funky, feeling a little, I don't know if this is really going to work, but but we did get a lot of good feedback on it. We got a lot of people saying they enjoyed it, and a lot of questions that came in and said, hey, next time ask this and talk about this. 
As it happens, our very next show is going to be the Novices and Newbies show. Nice. We brought in someone who runs a very large and popular group on the on FetLife. Fet mm-hmm. And uh, she is the, one of the administrators of the Novices and Newbie group. And they... Um, there's a lot of stuff that can be covered, a lot of stuff that can be talked about mm-hmm. when you're new to the lifestyle that, that uh, honestly, you and I, I don't know that we think about it a whole lot. I don't think we do. I mean, um, and uh, though we are thinking of it more, we do have someone that we're training that is new and very new to the lifestyle. So we do try to remember this stuff. But I know for us right now, it's uh, pack the toy bag, dress in something that comes off, and there we go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, uh, last week we talked about Winter Wickedness, which mm-hmm. is an event here in our in uh, Columbus, Ohio, that's going to be happening in February. Awesome event. And we, we mentioned that Nina Hartley and Lee Harrington would be two of the presenters. Mm-hmm. Well, we have the full presenter list now. So I yeah, thought I would sweet. share that real quick. Okay. Uh, not only will there be a Nina Hartley and a Lee Harrington, as we mentioned, but Yay. also Boy Meat, Coral Mallow, John Ireland, Lolita Wolf. Yay, who we pres- um, just interviewed... Uh... What, just a, a couple episodes Just ago? a couple episodes. Uh, there's a Master Conrad and Melissa, Master David, Naylin Blake, Phantom, and Princess Jen, Pain Boy, mm-hmm. and a special surprise presenter. Ooh. Are you presenting at Winter Wickedness and you haven't told me? No, I'm not. <laughs> okay. Maybe it's me. And Maybe I haven't told you. you. <gasps> Could be. I think we should find out. I think we should, too. So after we're done recording this, we'll give Barak and Sheba a call mm-hmm. and we'll grill them. <laughs> See if we can get them to spill the beans. Exactly. <laughs> when you go to Winter Wickedness or any other event, do you know what you're going to wear? You look quite fetching in this... This, this beach towel? This beach towel that you're wearing in today's... I could easily wear that. Wear the beach towel and voila, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> voila, indeed. Or I could flash people. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be fun as well. I might wear the, the socks and underwear combo that I'm currently wearing. Mm, we probably color coordinated a little better. <laughs> but with... <laughs> okay. No, actually, black and blue fits thank very you. well. <laughs> very BDSM-y. Thank you very much. But actually, uh, I will also be wearing my brand new leather vest. Ooh. I got my uh, leather vest in finally. We had some custom work done so that the uh, house meta, which is our MS house, colors were on the back. And that came in just, just, just before we started yep, recording. So just today. So that was exciting. So I can, I can smell the fresh leather in the mm, background. Looks good, too. It really interesting that that is one of the big topics that they talked about for the Novice and Newbie episode was, what are you going to wear? Mm-hmm. And I really could, I thought that was more of a girly question, you know, oh, gee, dear, let's go out. What, do you, what, what should I wear? Should I, and much like you've been known to do to me on occasion, do you like this dress or this dress? Mm-hmm. Um, does this dress make me look fat? Um, <laughs> does this one show off the girls? <laughs> that's a very popular one. Um, but apparently it's a pretty significant question that people have. And I understand it's not so much just the fashion aspect of it. Mm-hmm. It is a matter of wanting to fit in. Mm-hmm. When you go to something for the first time, you want to appear like... You fit into the crowd. Yeah, and you didn't just walk in off the streets. In your jeans and flip-flops. <laughs> <laughs> that would not be great. No. <laughs> well, part of it's easy to get off. <laughs> now, as it happens, in our 
small circle of friends, we have uh, someone who's well known as being the um, having a lot of clothes. When you need something to wear for the dungeon, mm-hmm. you go talk to this person. As a matter of fact, at the last event we went to that they were at, I remember the person that she went with saying, "We're we're lucky that we got a two bedroom." Or a two-bed hotel room, one bed <laughs> for her, one bed for all of her clothes to be yep. laid out on. Yep. So, and there's always um, running commentary about what she's going to be wearing in the next 15 minutes because she likes to go through all of her clothes at an event. And, and she beautiful looks beautiful stuff. Yes. Yes. She she looks fantastic in it, and uh, there's occasions where she'll dress Karen, and Karen always looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I just heard Karen telling someone else, "Oh, go see this person. She'll set you up." Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's insignificant to wonder what it is that you're going to wear. But it's not. But for some people, it is very much of a fashion thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for other people, it's more of a what appearance do I want to give? And for some, it's a what persona do I want to be? Right. I mean, if you say, if you're going to go to one of these uh, BDSM dungeons and you said, hey, go get Fred. And, well, who, <laughs> what's Fred look like? Oh, he's the guy wearing... The jeans and the black T-shirt. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll bring back eighteen people, right? Because that's that's your common. That is your dom suit. Mm-hmm. Add a leather vest, maybe some boots, perhaps. But your basic dom vest, your yeah, dom suit. Guys don't have much to worry about. So <laughs> women, on the other hand, <laughs> although we've, we've certainly seen some guys that that know how to dress as well. Mm-hmm. So. For myself, I've got my jeans, which I wear simply because I find jeans to be comfortable. Right. And uh, we're very fortunate that we go to a lot of events. I have a lot of event Mm t-shirts. And now I can add my leather vest to it as well. And that's going to be smoking. I like it. I hope so. I I think I'll take a picture of this leather vest and put it up on our our, our Blue Cat website. Oh, I like that. So see people can take a look at it and see what they think about it. Yeah, they'll be able to find you easier now. (laughs) (laughs) More stalkable. More stalkable than ever. If you would like to stalk us, we have a variety of ways you can do that. We have a Twitter account that's called Dane and Dawn, all one word. We also have um, a group on FetLife, which is Erotic Awakening. You can stalk us via voicemail at 206-309-0054. Or write us an email at eroticawakening at bluecatservices.org. We were uh, very fortunate that when we very first got started in the lifestyle, at least national-wise, we got to actually do some travel and type stuff. Mm-hmm. One of the first people we ran out, one of the first people we ran into was Raven Caldera. Right. So I actually remember that. So it was at uh, Dark Odyssey. Yep. As, as it happened, um, he was running a BDSM ritual at mm-hmm. that event. Mm-hmm. A drama ritual. So... It was amazing, too. The Descent of Inanna, I mm-hmm. believe it was. And yeah. and I was standing close enough with looking bored that when someone didn't show up, they said, Hey, come here. Put on this mask. Say these things. Put on this costume. Are you sure you weren't jumping up and down going, Me, me, pick me, pick me. <laughs> well, maybe. I might have uh, implied perhaps I had some dramatic experience Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I don't recall... Uh, how many of my 8 by 10 glossies I gave out, but uh, I'm sure it was just coincidental. So Raven Caldera, author of many, many books, the ones that we happen to have on the desk sitting at, looking at us is Dark Moon Rising, and it is a pagan BDSM and ordeal path 
book. Mm-hmm. And that Descent of Anana can be found in here, too. Oh. So, lovely write-up. If, uh, As a matter of fact, um, Raven was telling us that he is doing something in D.C. Uh, on December 5th. And 6th. 5th is sold out. 6th still has some tickets. Oh, Sunday. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like it's called Mapping the Underworld Shamanic BDSM with Raven Caldera. Right. And it's being hosted by um, Castle Griffin. And I see that he's going to cover the eightfold path of altered states in BDSM practice, opening energy in your inner tree via sexual methods, energy work in BDSM. Oh, all kinds of good stuff. Hey, why aren't we going to this? We could. We're actually free that weekend. Plan on let's plan on going <laughs> to this. Should we actually give out the address? Because I want to make sure. All right, let's make sure we register before I post this. Okay, that'll okay. work. <laughs> if you are interested in something like this, like I said, it's happening December fifth and sixth in Washington D.C. You can go to mappingtheunderworld.eventbrite.com or just go to castlegriffin.com. The event page, and you'll find information about it there. It is only thirty bucks. Wow! Oh, we are definitely going to that. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I Let, like that idea. Let's good. go! Let's go! Let's go! <laughs> I'm packing the bags. <laughs> <laughs> weren't you the weren't you the guy who showed up at the last minute and we recruited you for a part of our ritual? <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. We are sitting here tonight with Raven Keldira presenter and author of many books, including Dark Moon Rising, and most recently, Dear Raven and Joshua. Raven, thank you for coming on the show tonight. Thank you very much for having me. So recently, on one of the episodes of Erotic Awakening we did, we uh, did an interview with a guy named Moses Ma, and he runs a group called One Tantra. And recently on the One Contra group, they've been talking about BDSM, and they've been having a lot of back-and-forth conversation on whether BDSM is a spiritual path or not. And I said, well, who do we know who could help us understand and think about that question? And uh, fortunately, uh, you, I, and Don, and Joshua have interacted a little bit in the past, and I thought, well, this is a question, this would be a great question to give uh, to Raven. So... Uh, Raven Kildara, if you would, is BDSM a spiritual path? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I've been a pagan for almost 30 years now, and um, uh, during and my sexuality has been the way it is. It's, it's been very dark and very tied to BDSM since before that, uh, since I was 13 and even started to have sexual fantasies. They were all around that, and I tried to stave that, that off for many years, and part of that was because I had been taught that sexuality was sacred, and I still absolutely believe that. But um, the kind of sexuality that was in my head and in my body and that I responded to was not the sort that a lot of the people who were were teaching me this said was sacred or even okay. And it took many years of, first I had to to figure out that this was the way I was, and there was no getting rid of it. And, And attempting to keep it away from my sex life merely meant that I had no decent sex life. Nothing satisfying. And finally, I just gave up, and I said, all right, if it's all sacred, then this must be sacred as well. And I went on, on uh, basically a research journey to figure out how this could be. Because certainly, once I started doing it, I discovered moments of, uh, certainly moments of touching something much greater than myself in, uh, while doing SM or... In, uh, in DS relationships or things like that, and I could touch the sacred. So 
I couldn't believe that it wasn't. And uh, so I talked to a lot of people who who were doing BDSM, and I found a lot of folks sort of sidling over to me and, and saying, well, you know, it, it, I was in the middle of this scene, and I was tied up and being whipped, and all of a sudden I, something happened, something spiritual. I don't know what it was, but it was something. And, I mean, more and more people were saying this to me. And I uh, went looking at um, anthropology and history and found all over the world there's things like um, the Lakota Sundance and the Hindu Kavandi ceremony and uh, monasticism. All these things have things in common with BDSM, with parts of BDSM, and they are all certainly sacred. So uh, the ancients knew it. Our ancestors knew it. They just didn't call it that. It's just that now we've, we've separated everything out and compartmentalized everything. And sacred only is allowed to be, to be uh, um, used to refer to one narrow part of life. And so if, if the body is sacred, this is something that the body enjoys in, for many people. It's what their body wants, it's what their soul wants, it's what their heart wants. Um, it must be sacred. Well, I've noticed that a lot of people, that at least a lot of people that I, I interact with, seem to be very spiritual people, and they kind of set that aside when they engage in sexual, or be it BDSM or swinging, or any kind of a sexual sort of stuff. It's like they're Christians or they're pagans or they're Buddhist, and then they get their freak on, and they kind of put that aside. Because it seems like that they feel it conflicts. And I get from the impression you're saying it doesn't have to, or maybe even that it shouldn't. Um, no, it doesn't have to, and, it, and I don't think it should either. I think, um, okay, in a lot of um, liberal and alternative religion, and this this goes especially for paganism, although not exclusively, there's a lot of feminism, there's a lot of nonviolence, there's a lot of um, uh, sort of sort of a radical cultural politics, and all these things are strongly against um, sort of social programming that keeps us keeps us zombies, basically, and anything that is non-consensual. Social roles that are pushed non-consensually on people, sexual acts that are pushed non-consensually on people, this is all good and right. The problem is um, people who've been, been uh, working towards that for so long, they look at BDSM, and from a distance, it looks uh, like part of that. It looks like it, even though even if you try to explain to them that you know it's consensual and all, some part of them says, it looks too much like that. It must be wrong. I can't tell you how, but it must be wrong. And I think that goes even for people who are doing it. And they just really need to, to get over it, I think. Yeah, I think if they could, um, I, I mean, I doubt it will happen, but I think if they could experience it or even be in a place where they can feel the energy, maybe they would understand it, maybe. But I think, um, um, I, I, I think for people who are already doing it, the, the thing is that they need examples. They need examples mm-hmm. of, of why it's sacred. And for folks who aren't doing it and who are turned off by it, it may be harder to, to bring that to them. I think the only thing that's going to work yeah. is a whole lot of people standing up and saying, this was really spiritual for me. This is really spiritual for me. So <laughs> I have a question that popped into my head, but and I'm not really sure how to ask it. But during steaming... <laughs> that's the hard part but during singing with the pain and everything do you think that helps separate us from our ego do you think that's how maybe we hit that spiritual peak I, think, um, I, I know it 
festival for me. Certainly for submission, whether it's in a scene or whether it's lived uh, part-time or full-time, certainly submission, a, a big part of the spiritual aspect of that is separation from the ego. And there's mm-hmm. many religions out there that work at separation from the ego as, as a, a useful goal. Um, I think when you're, um, when you're really doing um, either pain play in a sacred context or um, mastery and service as a sacred lifestyle, uh, there's, there's a lot of setting aside the ego, certainly for the submissive, and if, if he or she is doing it right, also for the dominant as well. Because when you're doing that in a sacred context, you are letting something bigger than you work through you. Right. So more kind of like opening yourself up to be a vessel, you know, yeah. kind of like uh, stripping away all the uh, the gunk that society puts on you so that you get to the real thing. Yes. And I That's think the way also, I see it anyway. Also, I think for both people, if they're doing it right and, and um, if, if they're doing it in a spiritual process, in a spiritual struggle, and not just for recreation, not that there's anything wrong with recreation, recreation's great, but if you're really doing it uh, as, a, as part of a spiritual discipline, your, your path narrows. And if you're doing it right, there is this, this uh, transcendence and this, um, this narrow stricture of what you can and can't do. For a dominant, for example, doing it in a sacred way, that means um, really understanding that this is a path of honor and uh, a path of, of your own discipline and your own self-control and mastery not in the sense of um, what you think of, oh, I'm going to master that person, but more like mastering a violin. You know, you, mm-hmm. you can't yell at the violin and beat the violin and expect it to make good music. It's not the way it works. You have to be an artist. You have to think and you have to feel. So but when all... we think... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so it, it, doing it right uh, brings you on both sides, people who are on both sides of, of the interaction, which of the interaction is it brings them closer to their, their own soul. And it really does strip away a lot of the, the outside stuff of who and what we think we are. Now, it makes sense to me what you're saying about, from a submissive perspective, finding yourself closer to whatever you want to call spirituality through that act of ego separation. I can buy yeah. that. I make, that's, that makes that's sense. an integral part of the deal. <laughs> but if we flip that around, and from an outsider's perspective, Let's just say that I find I, I have some nice fellow tied up over a spanking bench, and I take a cucumber and shove it in his ass, and I beat his back with a flogger, and then I shove some needles in him that I <laughs> calm down. <laughs> am, are we suggesting that this is a spiritual act for me? It's not the act, it's the context. And it can be, yes. It certainly can be. Um, Again, it's all context. Uh, A a, a person from the outside cannot see the context. They can't see what the two of you agreed to in the beginning. They can't see what's in your head and what's in the other person's head and uh, and what they're feeling and experiencing subjectively. Um, For you, um, if you were doing this, for example, um, if you knew where where they needed to go and you were taking them there, First of all, it's a huge responsibility. Secondly, doing it in a sacred way would be like saying, there's a, there's a chain of command here, and I am not at the top of it. I am, uh, I, I am uh, obligated to a higher power of some kind, if only the 
process of the universe that knows where, what my greater good is. And I'm going to do this in a way that gets them where they need to go and also, it, and also um, puts me in a space where I can see myself as being the hands of the universe, being the hands of the gods on them. And if you do that right, that is both an incredibly arrogant space and an incredibly humbling space. It is like being a vessel. It's all about mindset. And, it's, and you can do that and get your rocks off. That, that's, those things are not exclusive. Say, that's why sexuality is sacred. You, it can be a real turn-on and a real down-and-dirty turn-on, whatever makes it hard for you, hard or wet. And it can also be sacred. It can, you can also have that mindset of, yes, I am the hands of the gods in this place. Is there ever a point where you go where it's too far, where it's mixing your religion and your spirituality and your your kink too much? Uh, for example, I, I mean, I consider myself, and as listeners of the podcast are going are gonna to know, or people that have seen us at the different events, Don and I are fairly open-minded, um, and we do consider sexuality to be sacred, and we actually do some presentations on that. But yeah. there's some things that squig me out. For example, and, and this is just for me, at our local naughty shop, there's a dildo in the shape of a crucifix. And then, <laughs> for me, that's a little bit squigs me out. Is, is, is there too much? Is there ever a point where you say sexuality and spirituality, there are some areas where you do keep them separate? Okay, well, I don't think that having a, a crucifix dildo, whoever made that crucifix dildo probably wasn't doing it for spiritual reasons. I could be wrong, but I'd lay money that that, that, that is actually was is sort of an anti-spiritual situation, especially if you're talking about Christianity. That was someone who wants to um, possibly mock Christianity, possibly a, a positive way I could see it would be used as sort of somebody getting through their their like childhood shit about Christianity or something. But um, that in itself is probably not uh, was not a spiritual was not meant to be a spiritual thing. And in order to make it one, you'd have to entirely turn the meaning around. And if that context doesn't work for you, you personally, then it doesn't. So don't use that symbol if that doesn't work for you. I think it's really, uh, it's, uh, each person has to decide for themselves, because it is all about context. What context works for me? What context makes it spiritual for me? I mean, some people can, you know, have a, have a totally spiritual thing with somebody wearing an, uh, a, a latex nurse's outfit, if that's what works for them. That's what says something to them and, and gives them deep symbols. Not my particular kink, therefore not my particular context. Does that make sense? No, oh, absolutely. Very cool. Makes sense to me. So, so now I have a question that that is uh, a little bit. Um, let's twist this up a little bit. But um, ritual drama using BDSM. Yeah. That has turned me on since I saw you and Josh do the descent of Anana at the Dark Odyssey summer camp. So using ritual drama using the BDSM elements. Um, do you have other rituals that you um, use this with? Is this oh, quite a lot. Um, yeah. when, when I went looking for, at spiritual BDSM, it naturally fell into three camps, which overlap certainly, and m most people use more than one. Um, and one was sacred pain, the sacred use of, of pain to, for transcendence. And one was ritual catharsis, using drama. And the third was um, the path of service and mastery. 
and, but going back to ritual drama, it's it's um, that's one thing that I really love about um, BDSM sex is it's so imaginative, and it takes you um, into other places. It lets you be something else. Uh, if you can engage your gonads, it's it, with your imagination. It's amazing where you can go. And I, I'm just a, I'm a theatrical person, so I love the whole let's you be this and I'll be that, and and we'll we'll get inside those those people, those personas, and we'll have sex as them. And mm-hmm. that way it will be grounded in our bodies and it'll be very visceral. And it really does just just, uh, um, just take you away. I think most people, for them, ritual is something experienced from the neck up. And BDSM ritual, even if it's something that, something that the two, two people work out in their bedroom, like, okay, tonight we're going to do this. And even if it doesn't look like a ritual to other people, it can be because they're doing it deliberately and mindfully, and it can really blow you away. I, I love it. I think it's wonderful. Uh, it was beautiful. I mean, like, I still, that was, I don't remember what year that was, 04, 05, something like that. And for the, for the listeners who are wondering what we're talking about, um, the, there's an ancient Babylonian legend called the Enuma Elish, which is about the goddess Anana, who is the queen of heaven, going down to the underworld to meet her sister, Eresh Kigal, the queen of the dead, in person. And on the way down, she's stripped, she's beaten, she's hung on a hook. It's, I mean, everything is taken away from her. It's, um, it's a, a finding who you really are after everything's taken away kind of ritual. Um, we, we'd read the, the, uh, the myth and said, wow, this reads like BDSM porn. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I said, this would make a great ritual. So we carefully um, recruited a bunch of people and, and did it at, uh, at a, 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 a kinky sex summer camp. Um, right. I would have loved to do it at a pagan gathering, but but uh, the woman who played Anana was actually um, actually uh, had you know beaten and had sex with people as part of the ritual. They were her lovers. They were mm-hmm. recruited as actors, um, but they raised a huge amount of energy. People come up afterwards and said, "Wow, that was the most amazing and maybe the scariest pagan ritual I've ever seen." But wow, that was great. And I I've uh, that was I think one of the most powerful rituals I've ever done in my life. And to do it, it in public, in front of all those people, was amazing. Oh, it it was the costuming, the just just the oh, I don't know, just the intensity of the beatings and everything. I mean, it was great. So, yeah, and we, that that ritual can be found in your book, um, Dark Moon Rising. Yes, it can, well. along with others, many others that we've done. Fabulous. So. It seems to me that over the years uh, that Don and I have been going to events that more and more often, and, and these are at the, at the sex events, right, not necessarily pagan events, but the BDSM leather events, that more and more often we're seeing that the presenters are bringing in classes about spirituality. And is yep. that something that we've just noticed that is this a new trend over the just the last four or five years, or is this something that's been emerging longer than that? Well, um, back, I remember a time when I was like the lone voice in the wilderness, <laughs> and I would give workshops, and people would say, huh? Um, and now they're springing up all over, and I think it's wonderful. Uh, in fact, um, one of the, the national conferences, Southwest Leather, is, uh, which is actually going to, I'm going to be at, the, at Southwest Leather in January, it's gotten to the point they have so much spirituality going on there that they refer to it as the woo-woo conference. <laughs> so it's it's uh, it's leaking out across 
the demographic across all religions and people with no particular religion, just a strong sense of spirituality. And I think it's wonderful. Um, I'm not saying that everybody who practices BDSM must do it as part of their spiritual path. But if you are strongly spiritually inclined, if you are very religious in whatever way, and you do this, I think you're really missing out if you're not incorporating it in some way because it's very rewarding. Absolutely. All right, well, if you don't mind, one more question for you. A lot of our uh, shows so far that we've gotten most feedback on have been ones that have dealt with the master-slave dynamic. And I understand you've just come out with a new master-slave book. Yep, it's called Dear Raven and Joshua, Questions and Answers about Master-Slave Relationships. Um, Joshua and I have been uh, contracted in a master-slave relationship, full-time, 24-7, live in, he's my property and my chattel, and I own him, um, relationship for eight years now. And people would come to us after the first few years, and they would ask us questions. And we started presenting on it, too. Um, in fact, we've, we've presented on it to some, some fairly feminist audiences and managed to get them to, to listen, which I think was an amazing feat. Uh, but uh, over the years, people would email us with questions, or they'd ask questions on open forums on the Internet, or they'd come up to us after, after workshops and, and sort of pull us aside and say, I had this problem, da-da-da. And... Um, we last year we looked at all the all the questions we'd answered fairly in depth, fairly lengthily, and we said, you know, we have a book here. If we just collect it all and stick it, edit it up and stick it between pages, it's a book. And about the same time, um, my friend Christina Parker, who some of some people in the scene might know as Slavette, came to me, and the two of us cooked up the idea of Alfred Press, which is a writers' cooperative. It's a small press that specializes in alternative relationship books. And we wanted to put books out on um, dominant, submissive, and master-slave relationships and polyamory. And so we've been doing that. And uh, the um, and Dear Raven and Joshua is one of our first books to come out. And it's just out. It's just hot off the presses. And if people want to see it, they can go to alfredpress.com and uh, see what people think about it. We hope that it helps people because... So much of what's out there on master-slave stuff is this fetishy nonsense that is not sustainable on a day-to-day, every day. Mm-hmm. Every morning, you know, get up and wipe the, the bleariness out of your eyes and go change the cat box kind of thing. It, you've gotta, <laughs> that can't be based on sex. It's got to be based on something else. And for us, it really is a spiritual path. Absolutely. Well, I highly, anybody that is interested in spirituality, and sexuality, I highly recommend taking a class by Raven. Um, so, Raven, where are you presenting at coming up soon? Well, let's see. I, I'll, when I, in January, I'll be going out to the West Coast. I'm going to be in L.A. and San Francisco and then Phoenix for Southwest Weather. And nice. I present up and down the East Coast randomly throughout the, throughout the year. Um, I, I'm going to be doing... Uh, some some uh, weekend long retreats for shamanic BDSM, which is basically using using uh, techniques of shamanism in BDSM and other things like that. So you, it, it, if you look at my website, which is ravencaldera.org, you can or pro- probably the paganbdsm.org through those two websites, you can keep up with where I'm going and what I'm doing and where I'm presenting. Very cool. We, I may have to check that out again. <laughs> Yeah, ravencaldera.org is the is the hub website for all my other websites. You can get to all the other ones from there. 
Good deal. And and Raven, I'll tell you just uh, just between you and me, when I first told Dawn that you agreed to come out to do the show, she literally. <laughs> I'd never heard anyone actually literally squee before, but she <laughs> so that was fantastic for me. That's great. Raven, uh, author of the new book, Dear Raven and Joshua, as well as Dark Moon Ra- Rising, and many, many, many other yep. books. Twenty-one. Very so much, far. very <laughs> much appreciate you being on the show today, and uh, we wish you luck you. with presenting and keep writing because we're going to keep reading. All right. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Have a great night. Thanks. Bye-bye. Next week on Erotic Awakening. Novices and newbies. Bye, Don. Bye, Dan. On Erotic Awakening, Free by White Knight, Strawberry Jam by Jerry Bradley, and Wanda by 31D1 is provided from the Podshow Podsafe Network. More information can be found at music.podshow.com.